0: It's my privilege to introduce Terry Bell to you today. Most of us know uh, Terry and Twyla, but our guest may not, and I just want to take a moment to introduce them to you. Terry and Twyla Bell are missionaries to Tanzania. They are our missionaries in many ways as Southern Baptists, but more especially because they came out of our church. Uh, I want to introduce Twyla. Twyla, would you stand up so that they'll see you today? All right, and then, of course, Terry's going to come in a few moments and share with us. Uh, But they are church planters in Tanzania. They've been serving there since, what, 84? Or 94, it is. 94, they've been serving there. Uh, Twyla was born in Greenville, Texas, grew up in commerce, uh, attended East Texas State University where she received her Bachelor of Science degree and then came to Nacogdoches eventually and worked in our Baptist Student Union uh, for a few years there as an assistant director at at, uh, Stephen F. Austin. Terry was born in Lubbock, Texas, and earned his uh, bachelor's degree and master's degree uh, from SFA and was associate director of soil testing lab here at SFA. Uh, They met uh, here at SFA and in our church and were married here. And uh, then, of course, they have, uh, since their marriage and serving in Tanzania, three children, Amanda Amanda is married to Andrew Curry, they live in Tyler and she works as a veterinarian in Bullard. Lance, their son, lives in Lubbock, Texas where he attends school at Texas Tech and is a mechanical engineer and Juree, their youngest, is now at uh, Hardin-Simmons University. So we're glad that uh, all of the children are here in Texas now, and they are here on stateside. Used to call it furlough, but they're now stateside for, what, a year? I believe it is, Terry. And uh, we're always glad to have them. We have a What we call a missionary house A few years ago some of the men of our church uh, Built a house over in Colonial Hills A section of Nacogdoches And it's open to missionaries As they come stateside They don't have a place to stay Uh, Then they can come here and make arrangements And come here and and stay And Terry and Twyla are with us now for a year And so anytime they come We're anxious to hear from them I've asked uh, Terry to come today And share with you And hopefully in December If all goes well They'll come back during the Lottie Moon Christmas offering time of emphasis and share with us again but Terry we're glad to have you and Twyla as well so come please now at this time
1: good morning it's great to be here with you all this morning and Twyla and I just feel so privileged to be back in our home church Um, it's been about five well we were on this last term we were on the field for four years and nine months and the previous time we were in the States, uh, it was a short time we were bringing Lance back to get him into school. And uh, the house was already, had already had occupants in it, so we weren't able to stay here. So it's actually been about eight years since we were here in Nacogdoches staying in the house. But uh, we just want to thank you again for that house, too. It's always great to step off the plane and get a ride up here in Nacogdoches and just go in and have a bed ready. It's just been a blessing to us for all these times. And, uh, we just thank the Lord for all you've done for us in that manner. and We thank the Lord also for praying for us all these years. We say this every time. We'll say this every time again until uh, the Lord tells us to stop. But uh, your prayers enable us to stay there. There's so much that goes on sometimes. It's a lot of struggles. But because you're praying for us and remembering us day after day, the Lord gives us strength and energy to continue to do that. And some of you have blessed us in different ways. The church has blessed us uh, over the years just through uh, different amounts of giving, and that's always been a blessing because sometimes we've just had a special need, and we've never said anything to anybody, but the Lord prompts someone to send a little special gift, and it's always been great. It's always met that need, and so we thank you for providing for us. Uh, having a vehicle here while we're in the States to drive has been great, too, and And I wish we could just say, name everybody's name, but we don't want to do that. And we just thank you for that. Before I start, I'd like to thank the Lord for this time. Let's pray. Father, again, Twilight and I thank you for blessing us to allow us to be a part of this body of believers here in Nacogdoches. We thank you for the years of growing up here spiritually as well as physically in different ways. But also, Lord, we thank you for the support that you have given us through this body of believers. We ask that you'll continue to bless them as well. And Father, we ask that, I ask at this time, as I share just a little bit about what you're doing in the area where we live, I ask that your Holy Spirit will continue to guide me and give me the words to say. And I ask that you'll give us all ears to hear. Minds to understand and hearts to believe. We just thank you and ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Definitely thank Dr. Reed for this opportunity to share. And he's already mentioned a little bit about our family. We also thank you for taking care of our kids when we're not here. We know that many of you have done special things for them over these past several years. And we'll continue to do that. And we thank you for doing that. We do have a desire to connect with you. Uh, I have maybe 30 minutes up here this morning to share just a little bit about what's going on in our lives and what the Lord has done in the lives of the people there. and That's just really not enough. And we hope that maybe we can have opportunities to visit your Sunday school class or if you have a small group or if you just want to invite us over to your house. We would love to do that during these next 10 or 11 months. And maybe Twilight and I will try to have something at our house, at the missionary house. We'll like to come and visit with us as well. But we really want to share a lot more so that you have a greater understanding of the people there and uh, the things that God has led us to do, enables us to do. And so we look forward to some of those opportunities. Before I get into uh, what I want to share, I, I do want to encourage you to pray about one thing. Maybe you've heard a couple of weeks ago that the International Mission Board made an announcement that due to budget restraints, they're going to have to reduce the number of personnel in the Mission Board. That includes missionaries and staff in Richmond. Currently, there are about 4,800 missionaries on the field. And they feel like they need to reduce that number down to at least 4,200. So that means a reduction of no less than 600 missionaries and our staff to go with that. And the reason that has come about is because for the past four or five years, the amount of money that comes in through the Lightman Christmas offering and the Cooperative program is not meeting the needs that are there to support the number of missionaries that are on the field. And so during these past four or five years, they've had to use emergency contingency funds to help make up the difference. And they also are selling property around the world that's no longer being used. But they come to a point where they just can't do that anymore. And so it's been a difficult decision for the trustees and the leaders in Richmond, but they feel like they need to make this reduction in personnel. they're doing this by a program that's called a Voluntary uh, Retirement. And they're going to offer an incentive. The people that are eligible for this retirement are people with age of 50 and above, and they've been on the field at least five years. So that's a, that's a pretty uh, big group of people. But the key word is voluntary. They want it to be voluntary. They're not going to go around and say, you need to go, you need to go, or leave. They want each of us to seek the Lord's face and ask Him, is it time for us to step down or not? And so even Twilight and I are seeking the Lord's face concerning this. But we ask that you would pray for us and pray for all the 4,800 missionaries plus the staff in Richmond as all of us are asking the Lord what does He want us to do during these days. we have to come up with a decision by November 2nd. And so we do desire your prayers greatly. It's not a, a light thing, a thing we're taking lightly. And uh, even now, even though December is the emphasis for the Light Moon Christmas offering, right now we do want to encourage you to begin thinking about that if you're not already. What will you give to the Light Moon Christmas offering? How can we increase that giving this year so that? there won't continue to be further reductions in missionaries around the world so we would ask y'all to strongly consider that and thank you for praying for us Dr. Reed was mentioning a while ago that there's some problem with the lights up here flickering off and on and I said well that's that's really not going to distract me a lot I'm accustomed really to only about 15 or 20 people before me and so this is a big crowd but I'm also accustomed to a lot of different distractions. Usually where I'm teaching or preaching, people get up and leave and go out. They'll come back in. And cell phones are pretty popular now, and so cell phones will be ringing and they'll get up and go answer it, come back in. The little kids are out around playing on the benches or on the floor. Some of them will come up and grab your leg while you're trying to talk. When I'm out in the village, especially, the chickens fly in and out of the open doors and windows, the goats move in. We had one place that we were trying to start a group, and uh, there was this crow that had his harem of of, uh, hens, and as he was strutting through, he would just let out this huge crowing, just ear-piercing, and it always seemed to be right at the critical moment, and you're trying to make a point, so I know Satan sent him... (laughs) through at that time. So I just wanted to warn you that if you sit too still and you're too quiet this morning, you may actually distract me. (laughs) As Dr. Reed mentioned, we live in Tanzania, and we live among a people called the Ngoni. That's spelled N-G-O-N-I. They're a people group of a little bit less than 300,000, so in some respects they're a small people group. Their heritage or their lineage originated from the Zulu people of South Africa. They live in and around the area called Songheia. And that's spelled S-O-N-G-E-A. If you want to go to Google, you can Google that and look up and find where the town is. It's a very beautiful area. And the people themselves are beautiful as well. And we feel like the Lord has blessed us to be able to live there. We've been there for seven years now. The Ngoni people, like all African people, are very religious. Now, I know we can define religious in different ways, but I say they're very religious because they do worship. And first and foremost, what they worship or who they worship is their ancestors, those who have passed away. So ancestor worship is a big part of their life. Because of this, they have a lot of fear in their lives, too, because there's a fear of being cursed. Uh, you know, here in the States, I guess, if, if you get so upset with someone or something, somebody does you wrong, you can take them to court and sue them. But there, if someone does you wrong, you go to the witch doctor and you have a curse put on that person. And the curses are real. They can actually cause sickness. Uh, they can cause death and things like that. And so the, the people live in fear all the time. Am I, am I being cursed? Is my child sick because of a curse? And so if they feel like that is the problem, then they'll go to the witch doctor and try to find out who did it. What can he be? What can be done to reverse the curse or put a curse on that person as well? And then can you heal my child? And so it's a constant fear. But these people are also religious because they're Catholic. When the German, when the country of Germany began to colonize Tanzania back in the early 1900s, late 1800s, the Catholic Church came in with them and set up several stations all around Tanzania. And Songea is one of the bigger missions that they established in the country. So for at least a hundred years the Catholic Church has been in the culture of the Ngoni people. It actually defines their culture to a big extent. People are very accustomed to getting up early in the morning and going to Mass every day. To be baptized as an infant, or I'll say if you haven't been baptized as an infant, then you're not considered Christian yet. And so all of the things that the Catholic Church does in in their teaching the Ngoni people know, and they adhere to it greatly. But of course, if you're familiar with the term, term synchronism, you have what's, you know, the belief of the Catholics and then the ancestor worship or the Africa traditional religion all mixed together. And in some ways, the Catholic Church, they may not say it, that they approve of it, but they don't prevent the people or they don't discourage them from continuing on with their traditional religion. So the Ngoni people are very religious. But if you ask one of them the question, when you die, will you go to heaven? You can rarely find a person who will say, yes, I will. Most of them will say, well, only God knows. And then if you say, well, what is the criteria or what what will God use to determine whether you can get into heaven or not, most of the time they'll say, "It's it's whether it depends on my good deeds. Do my good deeds outnumber my bad deeds? And so again, you can see how going through life, first they don't have any assurance of salvation at all, but then they're also constantly thinking, am I doing enough good stuff? so that I can get into heaven. It'd be a very difficult life to live, don't you agree? They're in fear of ancestors, which are actually just the demons themselves. And they're also in fear of, will I get into heaven or not? Of course, this kind of a thinking and this kind of a religion is nothing new. Jesus encountered it when he walked upon the face of the earth among the Jewish people. And there's several stories in the Bible where Jesus encountered religious people but they weren't saved yet or they did not know God as their Savior. One example was Nicodemus who came to Jesus. He was a ruler. He was a Pharisee. He knew all the laws. He knew everything about the religion. But Jesus told him that if you're not born again you're not going to get into heaven. Another time, Jesus met a young man who was very wealthy. The man came up to Jesus and asked him, Lord, what must I do? Or he said, teacher, what must I do to get into heaven? And so Jesus told him, well, you need to obey these commandments. And in the end, the young man, even though he confessed that he kept all those commandments He still was not able to do what God required of him, to give up all that was keeping him from God and to follow Jesus. And then there's the story of Cornelius. And that's the story I'd like for us to look at today. So if you'd open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 10... I think this story is a very good example that fits well with the Ngoni people. Because we're going to meet a man named Cornelius who was very religious. But there was still one thing missing in his life that he needed to do so that he could have eternal life. So in the book of Acts, starting with verse 1, or chapter 10 beginning with verse 1, we're not going to read all of it, but... We'll try to get enough of it so that we'll know the story and what's going on. Beginning with verse 1, God's Word says this. Now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. And fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner, named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of, the servant, of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So we see that Cornelius, he was not a Jew, but he was a very devout man. There's two things at least that it names here that he did regularly. He gave alms or he gave offerings or he helped people in the community. And also he prayed. The Ngoni people, they give. They give a tithe all the time. And they pray a lot. As you may know, Catholics uh, have a thing called rosary. And so you see them wearing the rosary around all the time. And that is a, a I call it a device, that they use as a part of their prayer life. And so they're very religious or they're very devout in giving and in praying, just the same as Cornelius was. Well, God saw that Cornelius was seeking him. He was just still missing one thing. And so he told Cornelius that he needs to send for a man named Peter who would come and tell him what he needed to do. So let's skip down a little ways. We're going to go to verse 23. In between here, God also reveals Himself to Peter in a vision and tells Peter that some men are going to come to his house and he needs to be able to receive them because they won't be Jews. And so God uh, gave Peter a little lesson, quick lesson about being able to receive non-Jews or Gentiles into his home, and then being willing to go with them. So beginning with verse 23, we'll continue. So he, that is Peter, invited them and gave them lodging. And on the next day he got up and went with them, and went away with them, and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So Peter now is is going back to Cornelius's house. On the following day he entered Caesarea Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up saying, Stand up, I too am just a man. As he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. So Cornelius was waiting. God had told him to send for Peter. He did what he was supposed to, now he's waiting. Peter has come back. And in the meantime, Cornelius has gathered all these other people, family and friends, neighbors, to come in to to listen. What is Peter going to tell us? Let's go to verse 30. Cornelius said, Four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in shiny garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Cornelius was ready. He wanted to know what else is there that God... Needs me to do. So in the verses that follow, Peter begins to share the story of Jesus with Cornelius. If we jump down to verse 42, and we'll finish to the end of the chapter. And he ordered us to preach. That is, Peter's saying this. He ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. All of the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. Cornelius was a very religious man. He prayed, he gave, he helped others. He worshipped. But he still did not have that relationship with Jesus. That's why God sent Peter to go and share that with him. The Ngoni people are very religious in the sense that they attempt to worship God through their giving, through their prayers, through their attending Mass every day, through their baptism through their taking of Holy Communion, through all that they go through in the the thing that the Catholic Church has for them to do each day. But they still don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They know about Him, but they don't know Him personally in their heart. We need to pray for the Ngoni people. You know, it can be very difficult to share with a person who already knows just enough to make them feel comfortable and confident in their hearts that they have all that they need already. But yet they're still missing just one key part. It's hard to convince them or help them to understand that they they need to let go of the traditions of the church and to cling to Jesus Himself. Sometimes they can be the Catholic Church can be very possessive and protective of their people. We have had people who have made a profession of faith and have even been baptized, which is a big step because be baptized means that you're publicly confessing to everyone that you're following Jesus. But after a few weeks, even after going through you know discipling them and helping them begin to grow in the Lord their family and their community who are all Catholic will come in and begin to pressure them. And they pressure them through, uh, what could I say, you know, financial means or monetary in a sense that because the African community is a very close community, to, to be told that we will no longer help you in any way if you want to continue following this way then that's a great burden that comes upon that family again. And so as I said, we've had people who have confessed Jesus, they've been baptized, and after two or three months, they turn away and go back simply because of the pressure from their family and the community as a whole. So pray for the Ngoni people. They need Jesus. God loves them and cares about them and He wants them to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, just like he wanted Cornelius to know as well. We do thank the Lord because there are some believers among the Ngoni. Actually, there are are different uh, evangelical churches in the area. Most of them are concentrated in the town of Songea. If you go out into the villages, it's rare to find any other denomination or church besides the Catholic Church. But they're in town, and then in one village, we do have some Baptist believers that we directly work with. And we thank the Lord for them. About three or four years ago, I began trying to uh, train them so that they could be witnesses and go out as well and share the gospel. And after getting into it for three or four weeks of of how can, you, how can you go and share with people, I began to realize that a lot of them who had been in the Baptist church for several years, <laughs> they themselves did not have that assurance of salvation. And again, part of it is because they came out of that Catholic background and some of the beliefs that they were raised up with are still there, that there's really no way you can know for sure. So the Lord told me, you know, You need to go back to zero and start over with these people and show them that when God saves you, He saves you. And so for the past three years, we've had this Thursday afternoon Bible study where I have gone through in little short pieces, one week at a time, trying to help them to understand all about God's plan of salvation. And one thing also that I've discovered as that it's a plague that all of us have, is a lot of them get stuck in the middle. What I mean by that is that when they came to the point of, of placing their faith in Jesus, they wanted to have, keep, on, or keep a hold of a little bit of what they had in the past and then also try to follow Jesus at the same time. You know, Jesus told us... Uh, Back in, let's look at it real quick, back in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. A very familiar passage, it says, Jesus, as he was teaching, he said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So, God gave me, through using these verses here, an example to, to help these people understand what they need to do as far as getting their foot out of the other path. It's kind of like a, a, a big path that all of us were walking down at one time, the whole world. Because we're all sinners and we all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so we're all walking down this big wide path going towards destruction. But then one day, God reveals himself to us. And he shows us that we need to repent and ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. And so we have that opportunity to make that decision and to get off of that big wide path and get on the narrow path. But what happens a lot of time is that we say, yes, we want to believe. And so we start on that narrow path, but we keep our other foot in the wide path. We still want a little bit of the old way or the world, while we want to have a little bit of Jesus. And so, because it's so necessary for those two paths to begin to be opposite of one another, instead of following parallel, there's no way that you can walk one at a time, keep one foot in this way and one foot in this way and keep going. Those paths have to go apart from each other. And so you start trying to do this. You can't go very far, can you? And so you kind of get stuck in the middle. If you don't want to take one foot out of the world and put it over here and follow Jesus all the way. And so, so many of the believers there are stuck in the middle. They still want to hold on to a little bit of the old ways, even to worshiping their ancestors, or even to still going to the witch doctor when their child gets sick, and not completely depend upon Jesus for everything in their life. So they're stuck in the middle. And it's hard to get them to take that other foot out and go all the way with Jesus. But a lot of us have that problem too, don't we? <laughs> if we want to admit it. So in conclusion, again, we just ask you to continue to pray for the Ngoni people. The Holy Spirit will continue to work in their lives and to help them to see that the ways they are following now are not the ways of God. And they need to be willing to listen listen And to ask Jesus, instead of just knowing about Him, they need to know Him as their Lord and Savior. And also pray for the believers who are there. That they can get off a high center and get that other foot out of the ways of the world and the old religion and put it all for Jesus. And then just for us as well. You know, it's easy sometimes to be very religious. To always... Come to church to be involved in activities to give, and it may be that we know a lot about Jesus, but we don't actually know Jesus Himself as Lord and Savior. He wants to be your Lord and Savior, and it also may be possible that we're stuck in the middle. It may be that we placed our faith in Jesus even several years ago, but. We're still trying to hold on to a little bit of the old stuff. And so it keeps us from growing and maturing in our faith. And so today as we close, we just want to give an opportunity. If there is anyone here this morning who has never placed their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, then this would be a great time, great opportunity for you to do that. Also, if you feel like maybe you're one of those that tries to keep his foot in the old way a little bit and still try to follow Jesus, I want you to ask the Lord to help you to let go of the old stuff so that you can put all of your energy and your whole heart into following Jesus the rest of your life. Dr. Reed's going to come up here to the front and will be willing to receive anyone. Let's thank the Lord for His Word. Father, we just thank You again so much for Your Word. We thank You, Father, for teaching us the truth. We thank You that we have the ability to know the truth. Father, we ask that as You continue to work in our lives each and every day, that You will help us, Father, to be fully committed to You. We thank You for Your love, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.